Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Giovanna here. Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know that today's episode contains discussion around miscarriage. If you prefer, please listen to another episode. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is a BAFTA winner. She's also the recipient of an OBE. She's a hugely successful author, although she did get 82 rejection letters before her first book was published. Not So Stupid was published in 1990. That's incredible. Uh, she was the Children's Laureate uh, from 2013 to 15 and campaigned to improve diversity in children's books. She's also the mother of one daughter, Elizabeth, who's in her 20s, a grown-up, an adult child. <laughs> Today's guest <laughs> is Mallory Blackman. Hello! <laughs> Hi! Lovely to be here. <laughs> now, you really laughed when I said that you were mum to an adult child. How old is Elizabeth? She's 26, but it's funny you say that because 
she's always she's my baby yeah and I call you know and I call her my baby and I give her a hug and I say my baby and so on and I she's a big kind of woman but you know <laughs> but but she's you know your children are always your children I mean forget my mum for example when I speak to her I say oh yeah I've got a meeting here and I'm going there or whatever and it's kind of well make sure you wear your coat and your hat and I say you know what you know I am a grown woman <laughs> but you know I, I guess that's what you know we all do it so there you go yeah I guess there's never a point where where mums go yep you're fine now go your mm-hmm. own way you can tell the temperature exactly. when you go outside so it's, it's all on you if you get a cold it's your fault nothing to do with me exactly <laughs> <laughs> Valerie where did you grow up well, I grew up in Beckenham. Okay. And I was well, I was born in Nelson's Hospital in Merton, and we lived in Clapham at the time. But then we very soon after that moved to Beckenham. So we spent a long time in Beckenham, and then, and then it was Broccoli, and then it was Sydenham. Okay. And now I'm back yeah, in Beckenham, yeah. so it's kind of like I, I'm I'm a southeast yeah, London south girl. Southeast, and then almost exactly. into Kent, and then back in again. <laughs> exactly. So you know, but I, I'm a definite southeast London girl. So S A R F South. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. There we go. And uh, what was your childhood like? I was the first of my siblings to be born here. My elder sister and brother were born in Barbados. Right. And then they came over as children. And then I have twin brothers. So I was kind of a middle child. It was a fun childhood. We were kind of pretty much, as my mum and dad worked and worked hard, yeah. we were pretty much left to our own devices. So we would go kind of to the park and we'd go blueberry picking or blackberry picking rather. And it was just, it was fun. It was the thing I remember most, I think, is just trips to my local library. Yeah. And I love the library. That was my home away from home. Yeah. And I remember the first time going there and thinking, oh my gosh, all these books and I can just take them out for free. And it was, that was such a revelation. And I, and so I guess I was always a daydreamer. I always had too much imagination. I was always getting told off for that at school. You know, Laurie, stop daydreaming, stop daydreaming. But, you know, I kind of lived in my head a lot. Yeah. And I kind of felt like a bit of a misfit because the things I I was into, you know, my friends maybe were not. Yeah. And I, so I, I was kind of happy with my own company. That's not to say that I didn't like being around my friends. Yeah. But I like my own company. So writing absolutely suits me. Yeah. So with five kids at home, I imagine it was very, very loud and there was lots going on. And there definitely was. I mean, and I, and I, I must admit, I love that. There were times when I longed for some peace and would go off and kind of try and do my own thing or go to the library to get some peace but you know I I like growing up in a big family um that's not to say we got on all the time we most certainly of course not but I feel like that's where you learn that's where you learn things within your family you know you learn what your boundaries are how you should be speaking Mm. to people how you don't like to be spoken to and and for a lot of families I feel like with mine we did that and there were no grudges Thankfully, well, you know. well, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think so, and I think, and, and I'm really glad I did grow up in a big family. But when we had our daughter, I always imagined I would have like two or three children. Right. But then I had two miscarriages before I had my daughter, right. and, I, and I was warned it'd be very tricky to have another child. So I thought, okay, well, you know, at least you know, I'm I'm lucky that we've had one, and a lot of. And I, I met a number of women in particular who have been trying and trying mm. and they didn't even have that. So I kind of feel very lucky that I had the one. But the, you know, the miscarriage experience was, it was a kind of eye opener because it was like, well, after, especially after I had my second one, because the, after the first one, I thought I'm not going to tell anyone until after 12 weeks. Yeah. 
And then I, so as soon as I hit 12 weeks and I told everybody, and then I had a miscarriage at 14 weeks. And it was one of those things where I kind of thought, you you feel like you're really alone. Mm -hmm. But when I started telling people, so many other women said, I've had one too. And I had no idea that it was at that time, because it was a while ago, it was before Lizzie. And I had no idea that so many women had gone through the same thing. And it was lovely because it was just kind of like this network of women saying, happened to me, Mm. you know, and these are some of the strategies I had for getting through it and so on. As I said, because it's not the thing that, you know, I mean, you don't kind of, you you don't kind of have, go out for drinks or something with your girlfriends and then let's bring it up. Oh, let's just talk about miscarriages and whatever. But it's one of those things where when, when people know that, you've experienced it then they will share their experiences but I think it's one of those things that maybe needs to be spoken about a bit more because for me for example when it happened to me what I didn't expect were the the sort of the bouts of depression that I suffered and there'd be times when I would be trying to work and it just wasn't happening Mm. and I would phone up my husband in tears and saying can you come home Neil please and he'd say right I'll be right there and I mean he worked in Baker Street he worked you know AIDS away but he would immediately say and he'd say I'm sorry my wife needs me Mm. and he'd be out the door and coming home and then sometimes he would just come home and you know just give me a hug and whatever bless him so so it was kind of I, I got through it but it was one of the it took it took Perhaps from the outside, it took longer for me to get over that than I thought it might. How long was there between the first two pregnancies? About six years. Oh, really? Six, seven years. It was a while, yeah. So, you know, so it was it was a, a while before I got pregnant again. Right. And it was one of those things, you know, when growing up and um, someone said, when I, when, although I came from a big family... I wasn't particularly bothered whether or not I, I was kind of indifferent to that. You know, if it happens, it happens. Yeah, if yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. You know, that kind of attitude. Until I hit 30. And, you know, so I got kind of pregnant in my late 20s and it didn't happen. And I thought, oh, you know, it's just one of those things. And I thought, and again, it was, well, if it happens, it happens. Mm. But I hit 30 and suddenly where I, I didn't, I, like I didn't even particularly believe in the biological clock, but then, you know, it, I hit 30 and it kicked my butt half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my French. Um, you know, because it was like, it was just, it wasn't just ticking, it was booming in my ear. And it got to the stage, I'd be staring at pregnant women, I'd be looking in prams and looking in buggies and staring in them and just kind of, oh, you know, I wish, I wish, I yeah, wish. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. And so, you know, so when I got pregnant the second time and I was just so euphoric and telling people and then I had my miscarriage, I was absolutely devastated. Yeah. It's the you thing, know, isn't so... it? So when people say don't say anything until 12 weeks because, mm. you know, you want to make sure in the safer part of your pregnancy, even that part of it, you should be having, be able to tell people so that if anything happens, you can reach out to people. Because what was it like yeah. the second time going through it and having people know, I guess part of it is you would have had to say, actually, this has happened. So you're, you're kind of having to say that you've had a miscarriage. Mm. Whereas first time around, you would have been going through it silently, I would imagine, because people yeah. didn't even know you were pregnant. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, but and, and having to tell people was hard, yeah. but I had to because... I just wasn't functioning. It yeah. took me a, a long while to kind of even feel like I was beginning to function normally. And it's one of those things where I guess, you know, and that, 
I guess it's this thing of I I thought I would kind of get back on an even kill within you know give me a few weeks and I'll be back and doing yeah and it took me longer than I thought and I think I had unrealistic expectations about it because I had you know I I felt like I had lost well I had I had I lost my child I lost the potential of her I kind of I and I think it, it was it was this feeling of I felt such loss and then and, and I remember being in the hospital after I had the miscarriage and they said would you like to see her and then you know, my husband and I spoke about it and then he said I think you should mm. and I wasn't even sure if I could, would be able to bear it right and then they brought her to me and she could like you know she could she was about that big yeah uh, palm of your and, hand but beautiful you know perfectly formed but about yay big and there was this sense of and I'm glad I did it, actually. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but I'm really h- glad that I did it because it was just looking at Tara and just being able to say goodbye. Yeah. And it meant a lot. And it's kind of like, and and yes, I really was pregnant and this is my child and she's no less my child for only surviving for 14 weeks, mm-hmm. but I got to say a proper goodbye. And it meant a lot. Yeah. And they said, would you like a photograph? And I said, yes, please. So I could, you know, I could have a photograph of her. And until then I thought, oh, you know, when, when I'm good and ready to have a child, it'll be no problem. I'll be able to get pregnant, whatever. And it was a salutary lesson. Yeah. It was just one, it was, and it was, I think in a way it's kind of, it just made me appreciate it made me appreciate when I was pregnant and had Lizzie and it kind of was because I'd been through the loss beforehand. Mm-hmm. So it really did make me appreciate that, you know, and, and feel for all the, you know, if you're, if you're a woman out there and you don't want kids or power to your elbow. And if you're a woman out there and you're trying to have kids and finding it difficult, or you've been told you can't have any, again, I, you know, I feel for you. Um, but it's one of those things. It just makes me appreciate my daughter and it also I think it means that I kind of really feel it when you have the stories on the news and stuff of children being abused it just it really gets to me yeah it's one of those strange things would I go back if I could and just and have Tara I kind of I was thinking about that but I think we I could only have ever had one child so if I had Tara I wouldn't have Lizzie and I can't imagine my life without Lizzie so it's one of those things where I think you know what okay it is what it is it yeah. happened but I have my daughter and I can't imagine my life without her so maybe yeah. I would not go back and change it even if I could yeah it's always difficult going into a pregnancy after you've had any sort of loss whether that's a miscarriage or baby loss because I feel like the innocence of it goes suddenly mm. you know the, the, all the different things that could happen the magnitude of it really sits heavily Yes, indeed, indeed. I, I think I certainly found that because when I was pregnant the third time, I didn't tell people for longer. How long did you and wait then, that time? Uh, about four months, about 16 weeks. Yeah. But I think I just when I was beginning to show is when I told people. But it was one of those things. I didn't feel I actually settled into it and began to enjoy it until I was like six, seven months pregnant. Mm -hmm. But as you said, it was kind of one of these things where at the back of my mind was always the thought of "Mm, Mm -hmm. what if, what if. But then I thought I want to have a happy pregnancy because I do feel that would affect 
I felt it would affect my daughter, but how I went through it. And if I was kind of anxious and so forth, that could translate into, you know, kind of the way, you know, and I, I, I mean, I don't, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I kind of felt you've got to kind of try and enjoy this more and worry less. Yeah. Which is obviously easier said than done, but I did try. So I, so I think after about six months pregnant, you know, then I kind of started settling down into it and began to kind of enjoy it and would play music for her and chat to her and so <laughs> on. Uh, and I like that. But then, you know, but then she was premature. So she was five weeks early. Oh, really? So she had, yeah. So she had to go into the special care baby unit for three weeks. And so I lived at the hospital for three weeks and which was kind of pretty miserable, but at least kind of, you know, and then I got to take her home and so on. But but that said, it kind of it's fine. And I mean, and even five weeks early, she was seven pounds, seven ounces. Oh, so I, wow. I kind of I know. So I thought, you know what? I, actually, maybe it's just a three. <laughs> but my hubby was like, he was nine pounds or something when he was born. Right, okay. And my mother-in-law uh, said she was she was twelve pounds or whatever. Oh my so gosh! Thought, Mary, I know. thank so I goodness she was five weeks early. <laughs> Don't they gain like half a pound every week? Exactly. At that, at that stage, they do. So I thought, you know what? Maybe it was just as well. But you know, um, can you remember so, where yeah, you so, were? when you went into labor well I was induced oh were you so they called the yeah, air so I they they said we want to induce you just to make sure that everything you know we were it's under control and yeah. whatever and they said you could have a today or you could have her on Friday and I and it was a Wednesday and I said and I, by that time I thought no come on out <laughs> let's get her out <laughs> can you imagine so, going home yeah no it's okay I'll go home I'll pack a nice bag you know I think yeah, exactly. it's the idea but just do it now do it do it now <laughs> exactly just you know, get her out so yeah so I so she was one on a Wednesday um and so yeah I just thought that let's get it done let's get it done because um they said, you know, that if we leave it any longer, there might be problems or complications or whatever. And I thought, no, then then let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Which is strange because her birthday is the 30th of August. So she was always the youngest oh, in not yes. just her class, but her year. Yeah. And I thought, and if I'd left it till Friday, you would have been the oldest <laughs> in the year. So, you know, it's just one of those Valerie, things. Valerie, can you remember what it was like when you first met Elizabeth? Yes, I kind of held it. It was one of these strange things. And I thought, and and I'm the first things I said to her. First thing I said to her was, "Welcome to the world." <laughs> and I kind of like, and I held on. It was so strange, and just looking down at it and thinking, "Gosh, this is this is my daughter." Yeah. And 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 then you know, obviously, they I could hold her for about sort of five minutes, and then they whipped her away to yeah. take her to Skaboo because she had to be in a, a kind of one of the things Incubator. with a ventilator right. and. UV and all the rest of it because she wasn't breathing properly she yeah. couldn't breathe properly because she was early so it was it was one of these things where it was like it was just lovely to kind of to know I had a daughter but I don't feel I really got to know until I took her home right after the three weeks yeah. and then it was and and what surprised I don't know why this surprised me it's so it's gonna be bizarre saying this but what struck me was she had a personality from the get-go and you know she had her own personality and it was and I didn't expect that in a baby yeah. I thought it formed and developed she already had one and she she and watching her develop and watching her kind of her attitude to things and so forth has been such a blessing mm -hmm. but what surprised me is that the fact that as a baby she even had her own personality I suppose because I hadn't really been around babies that much yeah. you know in the interim so it was kind of like and it was just around the time when 
some friends were beginning to have babies and so forth but it's one of those things where I know and I could hold my goddaughter yeah. but as soon as she, her nappy needed changing or whatever <laughs> there you go back, yeah. <laughs> back to you <laughs> so but having you know so being with a baby 24 7 was a revelation mm. in that front and kind of like just watching watching the milestones and watching her crawl and then sit up and then walk and talk and just really enjoying that because yeah. um she started nursery when she was two just part-time and then I sort of got back to work but I thought I'm going to enjoy this because I grew up so fast yeah. and you, you know and then here she is she's you now 26. So. <laughs> was it weird taking her home after the three weeks of being in hospital? Yes it was I mean <laughs> I mean it's it's one of those things like you know it's kind of like oh she's grown enough she can breathe off you go yeah and I am you know we got our when you get your stereo and you get sort of instructions this thick <laughs> and then you take home a baby and you take home a baby and it's okay <laughs> and I remember the first time we were giving her a bath in a sort of you know she had a sort of baby bath and Neil and I were kind of giving her a bath and I was trying to hold her and kind of wash her off at the same time and she slid down a bit and it was instantly hooking her up and then Neil and I looked at each other thinking oh my god you know do we, do we know, know how we're... many parents have done that because babies are so slippery when they get wet exactly. and there's exactly. you, you do, it's, a, it's surprising it's a the feel of their skin when they're first born the feel of them in a bath mm. it's surprising how quickly they will slip out of your hands Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it was kind of like hiking around and thinking, oh my God, do I know what I'm doing? And, you know, and thank God for my mum, because she could kind of get, you know, she, she at the time when we lived, she was just kind of like, you know, five minutes away around the corner. So she could give advice. I do think though, because of my previous two miscarriages, I was overprotective as a mother. Right. So I think in that first year, every little kind of cough or rash, I'd be straight down the hospital. Mm -hmm. Is she all right? Is she all right? So it took me a while again to settle down and just think these are just, you know, standard stuff. Yeah, get some baby Pyroton or some cow or whatever. <laughs> the other other um, pain relief does exist for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but I, again, it took me a while to just calm down. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It seems to me that parenthood is a series of letting go. Yeah. 
and it is this thing of you know there are stages of like for example I used to do her hair when she was very young and then it she got, got to the red age where it was I can do it. thank you mum I can do it myself mm-hmm. and then it was things like taking her shopping for clothes and thank you mum I picked them myself <laughs> and it was you know so it is it's just this um okay and then I'll, you know but this is what you have to do for your children to be to grow up and be independent yeah. and be able to cope on their own but it, it, there's this sort of thing I kind of feel like it would be so lovely to kind of put her in my pocket and keep her safe, <laughs> but that's not healthy. And yeah. she's got to go out and she has to make her own mistakes in some things. And what I need to do is just be there to support her, whether she fails or she succeeds in whatever she's doing. She knows she always has my support, but I can't go out there and make her mistakes for her. Yeah. For some things, she's gonna. That's how she's gonna have to learn. So I, I guess. Um, so with um, so say my kids are doing something and I'm risk assessing for them. I'm like, no, mm. no, no, don't do that. At some point, yeah. you have to stop saying no. And I imagine as as your kids get older, it must be really difficult to take that step back and actually know that your input right now is not going to be helpful. Actually, and that. Well, exactly, exactly. And I think. It's a very tricky one, and I I don't get always get it right. You know, hand up. I don't. You don't, Mary. I, don't always, I mean, I come don't. on. <laughs> <laughs> Weird as it may sound. Um, yeah, no, I I don't get it always right, and I have learned that sometimes the best thing you can do is hug and say nothing. Yeah. You know, and just give them a hug or let them know that you are there if they want to talk. But don't leap in with your two pence worth and your good advice yeah. and so on, because sometimes that's not what's wanted. Mm-hmm. What they want is the support, not the, well, you know, uh, well, if in your case, I would do this, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Sometimes that's not helpful. It's so true. Um, so true. And I think that happens throughout any age. Sometimes you just want to, you just want that person to be, to be is. That's all. You don't yes, want anything else, it. actually. Exactly. And I, you know what? But I mean, obviously, if she's if there's something she's doing where she's especially when she was younger and it was physically going to hurt her, of course, yeah. I'm going to leap in and yeah, say, yeah. don't do that. You know, um, don't but, put your fingers in the you know, plug the, socket. It's not a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, or, you know, holding that handle of that pot or something, <laughs> which is hot. No, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> that. Um, but that said. When they have friends and you're kind of feeling, mm, mm-hmm. or they have in relationships and you're feeling, mm, mm-hmm. you have to cut. Sometimes you just have to let them get on with it. Yeah. And you have, well, or rather, what it is is you have to pick your moments mm-hmm. and feel like, do I really need to say something here or should I let them get on with it or, you know, or whatever. And it's, it is a tricky one. Yeah. But, you know, but, but I, I kind of, what I, I suppose my thing would be, I, I said to this, I said this to Lizzie when she was very young. And I said to her, you know what, Liz, I'm not going to get everything right, but I want you to know that I've always acted for the best of, of reasons and, and, and for, with good intentions, yeah. you know, so I'm not going to get everything right. I say that now, but you have to, I just want you to know that I've always acted in your best interests. What's been the trickiest stage so far in motherhood? Oh, the teen years. Really? definitely the teen years when they're kind of in junior school kind of up to like 11 12 I'd say for most things you can kind of you can sort it for them or you can give them advice which they nine times out of ten might would follow when they're teens well certainly my experience has been it's very tricky because suddenly you're just their parent yeah and they're kind of listening to their friends and the, the friends, what the friends say has more weight than perhaps you as a parent. Yeah. 
and they and the teen years are tricky. I mean, it is this thing of you're kind of trying to find out who you are, your place in the world. And, you know, for some teens, it can be, I know for me, for example, I was a horrible teen. Oh my God, my poor mum. And I was, you know, I was, some of the things I said to him and some of the things I did, and, I, you know, and, and we at one point were not getting on well at all. Mm. And I remember I was at school and maybe having a PE lesson and I used to love to climb up to the top of the wall bars and jump down right, right from the top to, to the bottom. And I used to love jumping down the full flight of stairs and stuff. <laughs> but this one time, uh, you know, <laughs> I did. I used to love doing that. But anyway, so the one time I was on the wall bars and I jumped down and I don't think I bent my knees enough. Oh, so the no. shot just went straight up my back. And I thought, oh, what's that? And I walked home and... And this was when we lived like two and a half miles away from school. Yeah. So I was walking home and I thought something's wrong. I don't feel right. Yeah. And then I got home and the next morning I couldn't move. <gasps> so my mum called the doctor out when in, time, in the days when I used to do house calls. Yeah. And um, the, the doctor came out and he said, you severely sprained your back. I told oh him what I did. And he said, and he said, you're going to be laid up for like two, three weeks. And so, and then he, he gave my mum some kind of cream and she had to rub it into my legs every day. So, and the thing is, in that two weeks, we started really talking to each other mm. and having a proper conversations and the kind of, and she would tell me about her life growing up. And I began to, to open up to her about things that were going on with me. And that and we became really close in that time. So I actually, I look back and think, thank God that happened. Yeah. Because if it didn't, I'm not sure how my mum and I would have, what our relationship would be like now. But also I think that the hard thing, I think, is for teens is the fact that they are, they've got all these new emotions and hormones and stuff going yeah. through them and that they're experiencing. And I think there is something about being home that there is this almost comfort that being able to just know that you're fully accepted and well, hopefully, and just being able to let the barrier down do you know what I mean? You're yes, just exactly. being. So if you feel grumpy, be a bloody grump. You know, well, you can exactly, snap. You know, exactly. your mum loves. You know, you, you let it all out. And I think that's yeah. really hard as a mum. Then, like, if I same as you, if I think back to my snappiness with my mum, I'm still snappy with my mum. I can be a right <laughs> cow, you know. And and I think it's. But then afterwards, I guess growing up now, you kind of like I'm. I'm aware that I've done that. I wish mm. I hadn't have done that. You know. Yeah. But I think there is almost a strange comfort as a parent, knowing that your teenagers, they're doing it because it's part of their development and because they well, feel exactly. safe with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the thing is as well, because with Liz, when she, even now when she's kind of like, if she we have an argument or if she just snaps at me, mm. I kind of think, okay, not going to say anything. Yeah. Just, you know, she's obviously something's going on here. Sure, she's in a mood or whatever, let her get through it. And she will always come afterwards and say, I'm sorry, mum. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry I snapped at you or whatever. And I think it is this thing of, as a parent, my thing was always to, if I've done something wrong or said something or, you know, or if I've got something wrong, I would always apologize mm. to her. And this attitude of, well, it's a child, I don't need to apologize. I don't need to say sorry. I don't need to let them know that I get things wrong. I think is so much nonsense yeah. and dangerous nonsense. And so I think what it does is it teaches children 
that adults do get things wrong too yeah. but they uh, you have to own it yeah. you have to own your own mistakes you you have to be responsible for your own actions and if you do get things wrong say sorry mm-hmm. and kind of mean it and so my thing has always been to do that and now she and and I'm glad that you know she she's the same way so that if she knows she's in the wrong she will say sorry yeah. and I think it is this thing of you know it's very easy to tell children to do as I say not do as I yeah. do but I think they they learn by example yeah and that's the and, that, and for example that's why I I made the decision before she was even born I would never ever smack my child mm-hmm. because I don't understand this thing of it's wrong to hit people smack it's like the death penalty I think it's wrong to kill people let us just prove it by killing you yeah. I don't I don't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. the logic and so I for me it was always I'm never gonna smack my child I think if I have to smack her, then I failed. Yeah. What it is, is, um, but I'm going to sit her down and say, I find your behavior unacceptable. Yeah. And I remember one time we were shopping in Sainsbury's and there was this kid having a tantrum because he wanted some sweets or some biscuits or whatever. And in the end, his mum said, okay, then just for a quiet life and gave him a packet of sweets. So my hubby and I were kind of just doing our shopping and putting the shopping in the trolley. And I saw Lizzie clocking this boy. And then in the next aisle, it was, it was so obvious. She decided she was going to try this. So she, <laughs> She, she like, I, yeah exactly I want this I want this and she was kind of like on the floor and it was I want this I want this so Neil and I stepped over her and carried on doing our shopping I mean we stayed in the same aisle but I thought she's gonna learn too sweet that that does not work with us yeah. so it was kind of like it was kind of and Neil and I carried on chatting whatever keeping a weather eye on her but I thought I'm not even gonna acknowledge that kind of behavior and after about kind of three minutes it was like okay this isn't working <laughs> you know, and she went and never tried it again so it was it, so it's this thing you know children learning from other children but they also learn from how you react to yeah. them and and kind of what you say to them and so forth and my thing has always been if there's something that you're doing that upsets me I'm going to talk to you about yeah. it and if there's something I'm doing that upsets you then you must talk to me about mm-hmm. it let's talk about this rather than bottle things or you know handle things in a more destructive yeah. way and so I think it was really important for me to to kind of have I had plans for how I would treat my child if I ever became a mum yeah. and some of them I've had to adapt but there were certain things that were like I was never going to smack them that I stuck to and there were certain things like allowing them to express themselves and you know and and I you know being a child of immigrants who came here because for a better life mm. the emphasis is very much on education get a good education, then you can do anything. And it was this thing my dad was telling me that you have to work twice as hard to get half as far, but you need to kind of just do that. And so for me, it was this thing of education. And and, and that's why there is this emphasis of, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, get a secure job, whatever. And my first job, my first full-time job rather was as a computer programmer. Right. When I told my mum I was going to give that up to become a writer, or you know, try and be a writer, she thought I'd lost my mind. And it was kind of, oh my God, you're going to. And when I told her, Mum, I've given up my job, I'm going to try being a writer for a year. And she was like, oh my God, you gave up a good job and you've got your company car and, and you're giving that up. And I, and I said, yeah, because I really, really want to be a writer. And it took her a while to kind of get on board with that. And now she's my, it's so wonderful because she's one of my biggest fans and she reads Aww. all my books. But when my daughter, she got, she got her English degree 
And after her degree, she said, you know what, mum? She said, I want to be an actress. I want to try and be an actress. So she's now at drama school. Oh. Um, but, 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 you know, I thought, well, I'm, I said, oh, I said to her, the, I'm the last person to tell you, you must go into a safe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, have a safe career. Um, but I said, uh, you did it the right way, I think, because kind of have your English degree so you can then, you know, if it doesn't happen, you can use your, your, your English degree for something. Yeah. But I said, just be aware that it's a really tough profession you're trying to get into. But I'm not going to turn around and say, don't go for it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. my thing is always, I don't mind. I want to be on my deathbed. My thing was when I when I was trying to be a writer, I thought I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking I wish I had tried. Yeah. I don't mind. I'd rather f- f- try and fail than not try at all. Mm-hmm. And I said to Liz, well, just be aware you're going into a really, really difficult profession. She said, I know. She said, I'll probably probably be living with you and dad when I'm 50. But she said, I, really I said, at least you've got realistic expectations, love. <laughs> but so all power to her. But I, th- I just think it's I'm glad that, you know, she's gone for something that she feels where she feels she what she can express herself. Mm-hmm. And this is really what she wants to do. But not everybody has that. Yeah. And I know, you know, my my thing was at, at one point, for example, I didn't even know if I could stay on in the sixth form because I thought I'm going to have to get a job because we were so broke mm. that I thought, OK, I'm going to need to get a job. And then they brought in it was kind of like the educational maintenance allowance where I got I'd get a certain amount of money for staying on. Right. And that's the only thing that allowed me to go to school because then I could buy books and I could travel to school and so forth. So I did my three A levels. And so, you know, and 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 then they got rid of it. They got rid of the EMA. But for some people, it's a lifeline. Yeah. For me, it was a lifeline. And so I kind of feel that I wanted to make sure that that or try and ensure that my daughter had opportunities that I didn't. I think all parents want yeah. that for their children. But I kind of feel like, you know, that's why on the, the bigger picture, things like, you know, the climate and what we're doing to the planet and so forth really does concern me mm-hmm. because you know, I think each generation should have it easier yeah. and better than the previous generation. And my daughter's generation, I think, is going to be one of the first generations that doesn't. They're going to be retiring later. Mm-hmm. They're going to be working harder. They're going to be, you know, things like I could go to college and I got my tuition paid. She went and did her degree and she had, you know, now she's going to have to pay yeah. those student yeah. loans. She's in debt. And, you know, because it's her second degree, her dad and I have had to pay for this one. But at least we have the wherewithal to do it. Yeah. What happens if you don't? Yeah. So then are certain professions where the where the out like writing or acting or music, where the outcome is a bit more precarious mm-hmm. and less certain, it, does it mean then your your parents need to have deep pockets for you to go into them in the first yeah. place? And my daughter's lucky that her, my hubby and I can kind of support her in what she wants to do. But what happens with all those people who've got incredible talent, but don't have that support? Yep. And it seems like this, I just think, it seems like we had more opportunities mm-hmm. when I was growing up than perhaps teens and people in their early 20s now do. And I think something's gone very wrong somewhere. But we're not giving the opportunities, but we're also causing loads of problems that they have to fix. Mm-hmm. Mallory, if you could write a letter, you'll be good at this. If you could write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? If I were going to write a letter, you know what? I think I'd write it to my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I would write it about 
all the things I, I was never able to say to her and tell her, but all the things I wanted to. And, I, you know, and, and it's things like, you know, when I wrote my book, Noughts and Crosses, uh, the, initially the dedication I thought was going to be to Lizzie by way of explanation. <laughs> and then I took that out. But it's kind of like, I think some of my books are kind of a, my letters to my daughter. And I think, but I would love to kind of just, if I was going to write about motherhood to anybody, it would be to my daughter to say, okay, I haven't always got it right, but this is why I did things. And this was the thought process. And this is where this came from. And I know that certain things in my own childhood led me to take particular actions as an adult, yeah. but this is where it came from. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's what I would do, you know, so I'd write it to my daughter. Three sentences that I would love you to complete. Okay. Being a mum means? Being a mum means loving unconditionally, not just embracing hope for a better future, I think, but fighting for it. Mm -hmm. And most of all, learning to let go. Because as I said, I think parenthood is just a series of letting go so that, you know, your children have, so that your children can be more independent and, and grow. Yeah. And I think anything else stunts their growth, yeah. to be honest. So yeah, yeah, that would, would, it would, that's what it means. Next one is since having children, I, or since having a child, I. Uh, since having a child, I feel so lucky that I've been able to see the world again through my daughter's eyes. Mm. And, you know, things that I'd, I'd come to take for granted were suddenly fresh and new again. Things like, you know, dinosaurs and, <laughs> and the wonders of animals and science and the seaside and forests and, and even a kind of good meal. It's like some, when she just seeing her wonder at things for the first time made me kind of have that experience all over again. And yeah. I, and I just feel really grateful for that. It kind of just, it just, it's, I think it stopped me getting quite so jaded mm -hmm. and maybe not quite so cynical because you're seeing the world afresh from, from your, through your child's eyes. Yeah. And I love that. And I'm happy when? I'm happy when I have my family around me and we are, you know, a kind of, my daughter grew up in the age of Teletubbies and things. So we still do group hug. And, you know, we, and they're, they're, those are the moments I kind of feel like, you know, it's just sort of when we're all having a group hug or whatever. And I just kind of think, and in this, this moment here, I am perfectly happy. Mm. And, you know, and I kind of, and there are, there are very, there are moments where I'm content, but there are those moments with my family where I feel and in this particular moment, at this time, I am happy. Yeah. And, I, and so, you know, I am very grateful for my family. And, and I think, you know, like at the risk of sounding like, you know, cliche and Pollyanna-ish, I think that as the Nat King Cole, George Benson song goes, the greatest thing you could ever learn is to love and be loved in return. Mm. And I absolutely think, I believe that with all my heart. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Mallory. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Giovanna. Happy Mum, Happy Baby is produced by Pixie Productions Limited and is part of the Acast Creator Network. How have you been feeling recently? Flipping shattered? Yes, me too. But I know there are sunny days ahead. The Happy Mum, Happy Baby clothing range is full of real quotes that show the true meaning of parenting. In sizes for adults and mini-me's too. How cute. <laughs> I hope you love them as much as I do. They're ready for you to shop now on the Happy Mum, Happy Baby website. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.